Hey everyone, welcome to the Speak Up podcast in collaboration with Girls Give Back. We're an organization working internationally to connect young women and guarantee a voice for girls. This gives them the opportunity to collaborate and lead projects that they are passionate about. Our involvement consists of self-started projects, community fundraisers, campaign collaborations, career research, blog writing, and more. I'm your host, Sachi Sood, and today we have our guest, Lara. To start off, to start off, could you please introduce yourself in a few lines? Right. Yeah, thank you for having me here. So my name is Lara Chen, and I'm from Singapore. I'm currently in my senior year at School of Arts Singapore, specializing in film. But before that, I actually studied literary arts for four years. And I'm a published author of five children's books. And I also write poetry and short stories, as well as nonfiction blog articles. I'll read just about anything, but of course I have a favorite genre, which is classical literature and historical fiction. All right, that sounds great. So moving on, what's your favorite piece of literature? That's actually quite hard to answer because I have read so much, but one book that I keep coming back to over and over is The Handmaid's Tale by Margaret Atwood. It's actually a TV series now, so you can go watch it if you're interested. So it's basically a dystopian novel about a a totalitarian theocracy called the Republic of Gilead um, that has forced a certain class of fertile women known as handmaids to act as the broodmares of society. So the, the thing that I find interesting about this book is how, is how it it portrays a, a potential future of not just American society, but a critique of society as a whole. I, I feel like it's really interesting because as you're reading the book, you're thinking, oh, this, this would never happen. America would never fall back into such like an archaic time. But, but, actually, but, actually, but actually rebellions such as these that result in a complete overhaul of society are uh, more common that, than you may t- think. So that is really interesting. And I would definitely recommend it to anybody who wants to get into reading sci-fi or feminist literature. Sounds like a truly great fun. I would definitely love to read that. And you've already sparked my interest in that book. And what? Mm-hmm. why do you think that you prefer classical literature? Right. Um, nowadays, people don't really read classical literature as much. And if they have to read it, they usually only read it as part of required reading and they won't actually pick it up in their own free time. But personally, I feel that it's actually very important because it opens up a window into the past. While it's true that not all literature will be historically accurate, most of it will, actually, will at least give some insight about what life used to be like. So classical literature can actually capture the values from certain cultures, time periods, and realities, and in the process, teach us something about our current, about our current state, as well as, as well as being applied to predict the future of society. Um, furthermore, the classical literature contains timeless ideas applicable to anyone, regardless of age or place, whether it be stories that involve racial or gender discrimination, such as To Kill a Mockingbird, religious subjugation, such as my favorite book, The Handmaid's Tale, um, shaming person's sexuality, policing promiscuity, or themes of guilt, revenge, or redemption. Classics can help readers understand contemporary issues through different points of view. Thus, I feel that classical literature is really very relevant today because it can give us readers certain insights into the past. And it also shares some really meaningful input and issues that are still relevant today and because they're so universal and so timeless. 
I completely agree with your opinion there. Even for me, I think one of my favorite books of classical literature is Little Women, as it gives us so much of a deeper perspective during, uh, about feminism in that point of view, and it has uh, it ha it is and will forever be one of my favorite pieces of literature. And what early themes of feminism can you observe through this literature? Right. So, if we're going to be talking about literature written by female authors specifically, I noticed that a recurring theme is the, is the Cinderella complex, which the name is pretty self-explanatory. So, to quote an example in Pride and Prejudice, um, Mr. Darcy and Elizabeth. Elizabeth is kind of set up as this Mary Sue kind of girl who is who is wealthy. She's witty and and she's extremely beautiful in compared. And similarly, Mr. Darcy is just set up to, to be this tall, dark, and handsome man who is, who is of a very high class in society. He's described as good-looking multiple times in a novel, and most importantly, he's rich. And so, and so he's and so he's just set up as this perfect prince for all the for all the heroines, and this creates a certain expectation and a certain expectation for women and equally for men that that when you analyze deeper can be sort of toxic. Another thing is the importance of education for women. For example, a, a few a few of Jane Austen's heroines such as Elizabeth Bennet and Emma Woodhouse are both neglect their piano practice and are just described as moderate performers. And so none of them are called to improve, called upon to improve in these areas. And Jane Austen kind of Jane Austen kind of implies that their, their, their education is complete once they've com corrected their failings in their judgment or their emotions. And, and so this education in, in to improve their personality is, is, is portrayed as more important than actual education to improve your mind, which I feel is incorrect because the improvement of mind shouldn't be the final purpose of education. Lastly, definitely the fall of over meekness because Jane, most of Jane Austen's heroines are portrayed as extremely headstrong, such as Elizabeth Bennet, who tramples across muddy fields to visit the sick Jane, and as well as Elizabeth, who, who isn't afraid to stand up to Mr. Darcy and argue and argue with him, which is which is which is, which which kind of defies the stereotypes that a woman must be meek and submissive in female female literature. So so I feel like Jane Austen is it's implying that a woman should be headstrong, which on one hand is admirable, but it also kind, but it also sets up unreasonable expectations for women because they, because they're supposed to let go of their femininity to be seen as powerful, which might be slightly pro pro problematic in some aspects. I completely agree with that, and personally, Jane Austen is one of my favorite authors. Coming to the next question with Jane Austen once again, with authors like Jane Austen, how did feminism become more mainstream? Right, so Jane Austen wrote six novels, which are Sentences, Sensibility, Pride and Prejudice, Mansfield Park, Emma, Northanger Abbey, and Persuasion. And a, a recurring theme in most of her works are domestic feminine matters, such as marriage. And as if you notice, all of the, almost all of the female protagonists, almost all of the novels end with the female protagonist in a happy marriage. This is, well, this might seem contradictory to like the, to the message of feminism that women can be independent and powerful on their own. Marriage was usually, at the time, marriage was usually the only means for women of her class to have, to have final, to have financial security. Um, further, furthermore, in her novel per Persuasion, the protagonist and Eliot states that it's perhaps our fate rather than our merit, where we live at home, quiet, confined, and our feelings prey upon us. Whereas men can have a profession, pursuits, and business of some sort of or other, and continual occupation. So this this further em emphasizes 
So this further further emphasizes the lack of options for women in that era because they're actually hindered from pursuing the career. And so they're pressured into, into marriage as perhaps the only option by so by emphasizing this in all of her novels, Jane Austen actually speaks out against this, against this small box that that women were that women were forced into, and so she encourages women to be more like herself, who was never married and whose books, as we all know, have become um, quite have become quite famous and considered a timeless piece of literature. So, in conclusion, her work reminds us of some of the key issues that women are still fighting today: their right to education and not to be confined to the private domestic but rather to have financial independence and equal career opportunities than men. I completely agree with your opinion there. And we can also see how throughout time, feminism hasn't evolved so much in literature. Coming back to one of my favorite books, uh, one of my favorite pieces of classical literature, how do you think books like Little Woman brought about a bigger idea of feminism? Right, so Little Woman is a really unique book, even among the classical feminist literature at that time, because it features strong female protagonists who had dynamic and identities outside their romantic interests, which is really, really different from Jane Austen, as I mentioned earlier. It's it's a really rare story because it talks about the trials and triumphs of women without trying to belittle or victimize them. And it actually gives them agency to share their thoughts and viewpoints in a male-dominated world. For example, the protagonist of Little Woman, Joe, is actually a tomboy who defies the gender roles expected to her. And so you can see that her aspirations don't, don't actually fit into the conventions of that time of being a good wife and, and mother. In a world where men are usually the narrators and protagonists of their stories, women are, women are simply reduced to the object of desire, generosity, and pity. So Alcott actually breaks away from this trend by presenting Joe's journey as a hero's journey, which is which is again not typical and usually something that's applied to men. So she starts off as a woman trying to fit into the society governed by patriarchal rules and regulations, faces trials for pursuing her ambitions, and eventually is awarded success and love at the end. However, Joe is, however, Joe's journey is not is not actually the only path that woman can take. For for example, Meg who dreams of having a home and a family, and so she eventually reaches this, and she, so she's portrayed to be just as happy as Joe, despite of the fact that they take different paths in life. And so, irrespective of what a woman's ambition is, Alcott actually emphasizes that none of them can be deemed important or inferior, and. And, and so this makes Little Woman an important part of feminist history because, because it shows that women, that just that, that to be a feminist, you don't actually have to fit into this box of a strong, powerful, and not, and not feminine at all, but rather you're free to choose your own path and you can and make your own definition of feminine, feminism, so to speak. So I, so I think this, this is really interesting. I, I completely agree with your opinion over there. And I also believe that Little Woman shows us so many different perspectives on how feminism can be achieved and not one conventional way, as we see in Meg, Joe, or Amy, and all of them take such different paths in life. But at the end, all of them are feminists in their own way. And that shows us that there's not one mold or one specific stereotype to what a feminist should be, but so many Absolutely. different ways that women can go and, you know, fight for their own rights. Absolutely. You said it perfectly. Uh, how do you think that feminism has evolved over the course of literature? Right. So before before the feminist movement, women were actually written as either fantastical paragons of innocence or cruel monsters, and it's just these two extremes with no with no in between. For example, Shakespeare. 
Shakespeare's Macbeth, and he in, in Shakespeare's Macbeth, he presents women as a manipulative force and blames them for the immoral actions of men. And in, in contrast, in Charles Dickens' Great Expectations, you can see Clara Barley, who is set up as a as a, as this as this as this sacrificial this sacrificial selfless person who tends constantly to her abused father, yet still managing to appear natural and winning, as well as confiding, loving, and innocent, which is another really un, which is another unrealistic expectation for women for them to be sub, for them to be submissive to men and for so 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 women in in like literature pre-feminist women pre-feminist movement are portrayed as really two as very two-dimensional. However, after the end of the 20th century and the, and the enactment of the Equal Franchise Act, which grants suffrage to women, literature actually took a, took a turn for the better as it as as there as women are now portrayed in a in a more nuanced way where they where they have their own they have their own they have their own thoughts and although they're still portrayed as flawed creatures, it's more realistic in that uh, in a com in that along with their flaws, they also have redeeming qualities. And so this is definitely a more realistic way of portraying women. And yeah, I completely agree with your opinion there. And I, I can see how feminism has evolved over literature to become what it is today, where we see so many powerful female protagonists and so many different uh, and diverse female roles and not one conventional stereotype which is followed. Right. Absolutely. Uh, what I would like to ask you next is, was the way male and female writers, dis uh, despite uh, writers uh, depict women to you different? If yes, then why? Yes, absolutely. So when you read um, a, a fiction written by female authors, you, like I mentioned earlier, you'll get a representation of real women rather than characters based on the fantasies of um, males. So you'll get an image of the flaws, quirks, and traits that make up a woman other than her physical beauty. In contrast, when male writers write females, they kind of fixate on two things. Number one, physical beauty. Number two, romance. So I'm sure that anybody who reads a lot of literature has seen has seen that meme, that, that, that meme, okay, not a meme, I'm not sure what to call it, but, uh, uh, but a parody ex excerpt from a book where, which kind of focuses on a woman waking up and it just, and it just focuses all about her chest and her physical experience and her physical appearance. Now, obviously this is sat satire, but I feel that it has like, so it has some degree of truth because they just focus so much on the physical attributes of a woman's body that they neglect, that they ne neglect her character traits. Similarly, and they, woman, by male authors also have an obsession with romance and so they're prepared to give up everything they worked for just for the sake of writing their love story for and so they're willing to make a lot of sacrifices to help the central male character often at the cost of their own ambition either that or they're just depicted as having no ambition of their own and their lives and identities defined by their male relatives i agree with you there i often feel that male writers revolve uh female protagonist's um, personality all towards finding a, either a love interest, like you mentioned in the Cinderella complex, or either, you know, or either her being involved with household work or a, ro or a romantic story or something of the sort. Right. But, but when we see woman writer, we see so much more depth to a woman character, giving her so much more of a personality, education, ambitions, mm -hmm. goals. And I think we can truly see a difference on how male and writers de uh, depict female protagonists mm -hmm. over there. Absolutely, it's so rare that a female character written by a male, a male author passes the bachelor test. 
Exactly, I completely agree. Similarly, how do you think that this impacted the film industry? Because we can see that literature is something which often impacts the film industry as well. And how does the same stereotype impact the film industry? Well, with the emergence of feminism, um, it kind of brought it kind of brought more attention to the way to the way women are portrayed in the media, which has led to better female representation. So there's after 911, there is a movement known as post-feminism or fourth wave feminism. And this essentially focuses on peacemaking and social justice as well as diversity, where um, multiple identities are promoted and binary categories are dismissed. And so this post-feminism movement is definitely more inclusive and it advocates for mixed identities and marginalized groups instead of just like in just instead of just one type of instead of just one type of woman, which was the upper middle class white woman, which previous, which prior to this movement was pretty much the only type of woman depicted in media. Well, all well, other groups were ignored. And so, and another important change in this is that it rejects that um, femin femininity and feminism are polarized and it concedes that women may be both feminine and feminist and it embraces the conventional customs articulating feminism with makeup and high heels, which I feel is a pretty big change from a classical literature where women are where women are either pressured to be extremely feminine or extremely headstrong, such as Elizabeth Bennett in Jane Austen's works. Yeah, I completely agree with you over there. In both literature and film, we see being uh, femi being feminine and being feminine and being a feminist as polar opposites. But we see how, as literature and film have both evolved, we see how these things become closer to each other. And it is possible to be both a feminine and to be both feminine and be a feminist. And that is something we can see coming more into literature and the film industry now. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's actually a very promising turn turn for the better there. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. Also, according to you, what do you think the future portrayal of women in literature and film for that matter should look like? Ah, there's really no right answer to this question because women as a whole are a very diverse group and it's practically impossible to encompass the entirety of the female experience in a single book. So so what I would hope to see is just accurate rep accurate representation of women, whatever group you choose to focus on, and that and that you don't and that the authors don't project their own their own fantasies onto the woman and either and create and create a unrealistic female character like for example Mary Sue or or uh, or a character with all with all villainous traits and no redeeming traits. As long as they have a good balance of flaws and redeeming qualities, then I think that would be a really good portrayal. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. And I would love to see uh, women with more in-depth personalities who have a perfect depiction of both negative and positive traits, as you mentioned. Uh, lastly, what advice would you give to girls who are looking for a career in literature? Uh, my advice would be just definitely go for it. It might it might seem daunting at first because there'll be so many people criticizing um, because there are so many literature and film critics that will, that will criticize your work but um, but definitely you'll get better as time goes on and if you just if you put your heart into your work there it's it, I can definitely assure that, it, that it's going to be a good work so I would highly encourage girls to um, girls who are looking for a career in literature to just take the plunge. I, I agree with you there wholeheartedly. 
Thank you so much, Lara, for being here on the podcast. And you can look forward to future episodes about social stigmas, common stereotypes, current events related to women empowerment, and personal experiences. In the meanwhile, make sure to check our Instagram page and the uh, at the handle girlsgiveback underscore India and check out the Girls Give Back Global website, both linked in the bio. Thank you so much for being here, Lara, and it was an absolute pleasure talking to you. It was a pleasure talking to you too.